In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Be seated. Sanctification. Do you know this word? Sanctification. It's all over the prayer book. It, it, the church uses it in almost every rite that it celebrates. Sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Now sanctify them, this bread and wine, to be the body and blood of your Son. Sanctify this oil by your Holy Spirit for the anointing of the sick or the dying. Sanctify this place when consecrating a new church building. Sanctify the new fire at the Easter Vigil. Sanctify. Sanctification. It's all around us. It's, it's, it's in the, the DNA of the church, the DNA of the story of the people of God. And yet you'll be hard-pressed to find a confirmation curriculum that drills down deep on this. You'd be hard-pressed to find adult instruction for thoughtful, faithful, seeking Christians of what sanctification might mean and how it's to be used in the Christian's vocabulary. It's the sancti. The, the Latin root that starts us off well. Sancti, sancti, holy, holification, sanctification. The process or the state of being or the means by which someone or something is made holy. Okay, so maybe that's not very helpful. Maybe, maybe one needs more on what holy might mean. Isaiah tells the reader that God is holy. Remember, remember, holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty from the vision of Isaiah, the call of Isaiah. Scripture also tells the reader that human beings are not holy. Adam and Eve, created in the image of God, are banished from paradise for their disobedience. Moses takes off his shoes when standing on holy ground, the fledgling Israel is constantly turning after false gods and idols, demonstrating her inability to choose the holy to which she might otherwise aspire. And all of this before you get to humanity's neglect of neighbor, neglect of self, neglect of body, Neglect of the environment, stewardship of the earth, her inclination to covet and to go to war. God is holy. Human beings are not. And the human's heart, in spite of itself, longs to be at one with her maker. Longs to know or soak in again the holiness that she once squandered. Holification, sanctification, the process or the state of being or the means by which something or someone is made holy. Now, there's another, there's another small nuance associated with sanctification that typically implies a certain set-apartness because the holy frequently travels in and among the unholy Sanctification acquires this sense of being 
set apart or chosen. The holy serves to usher you into the presence of God. The holy exists to remind you of what it could mean to belong to God. The holy teaches you how to long for a just world, for a righteous world, a clean world, a peaceful world, a world in which there's no more crying, no more betrayal, no more sadness, no more death. Sanctification, holification. Now, preacher, you had me a little worried this morning. I was wondering for a moment if I'd stepped into the wrong church. But, but when, you, when you put it that way, when you say the Holy serves to usher me into the presence of God, when, when you say the Holy reminds me of what it means to long for a just and righteous and clean and pure world, I can see what you mean. Actually, I can see why you would say that sanctification, that holification is in the DNA of the church. Well, it is. It's why, it's why the church exists, to tell the story of God's plan for reconciliation and to announce the, the saving work accomplished by Jesus, an innocent, God's only Son, who gives His life, one life, in order that all life might be reconciled with God, in order that you might return to paradise from banishment, in order that justice and peace and righteousness and mercy and truth might again kiss one another. You know, there, there, there are numerous undercurrents in our lives, sub-practices, that show how this purpose is being worked out. For example, when you tithe from the storehouse of your wealth, the whole of your household's income is set apart, made holy, dedicated to the person of God. We do this, next piece, in morning prayer when we pray on Saturdays, when you pray for Sabbath rest at the end of the week, the ease, the ease at the end of the day, of every day, is made holy. In fact, it's set apart as necessary and an essential part of God's purpose. And when Christians order their time according to the life of Christ and the birth of the church, when the liturgical year turns a page, all of time is sanctified, set apart, made holy to serve the purposes of God and the master plan of reconciliation. So that means that Advent, as a result, it's not simply the Christian caricature of January 1, a New Year celebration that nations and cultures in the West have come to celebrate it. No, it's rather a reminder of how this people, this story, and your life are set apart. There are other calendars competing for your recognition, for your attention and allegiance. 
the calendar of civic holidays starting with the 4th of July and running through Juneteenth. The, the calendar of secondary and higher education that would determine when and where families might expect to plan their vacations. The calendar of Uncle Sam beginning and culminating with the personal and business income tax year. The calendars of self-referential worship that are reflected in the cycle of birthdays and anniversaries observed. The calendar of commercialism embedded in the cycles of sales and markdowns. The calendar of Hallmark that would assure lovers and mothers and grandparents and pastors <laughs> that they will not be forgotten. But there's no other calendar that can offer the promise of sanctifying the very meter of life. Advent claims first and foremost that time will not unfold without purpose. Time itself anticipates its redemption and resists the temptation to allow any other calendar sway. It's both the church's way of telling time and God's way of sanctifying, making holy all of time. The life of Christ, it will be the organizing principle for each of our lives. I will breathe in and anticipate his coming. I will exhale in awe at the Savior's birth. My eyes will widen as he shows himself to be the anointed one. My heart will break as the whole world rejects him and sends him to the refuse heap of history. And on the eighth day, I will stand astounded as the crucified Messiah defeats death and rises from the grave. I will stand then at once empowered and again confused by his return to heaven, but more determined than ever that his second coming will usher in a new day and a promise of a new creation. I can't wait. What a year this is going to be. What promise it holds. No news feed headline can compete with the hope that's offered here. So gracious God, take my life and let it be wholly consecrated to thee Take my moments and my days, make them suited, make them holy, and sanctify them for your praise. Amen.